The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh, no. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 374, coming to you on Wednesday, July 15th. We're going to look at USC's best recruiting classes, the Internet era. Actually, we're going to rank all of them here on this episode from the worst to the best, talk about all the big moments the USC has had in recruiting, all the big gets, all the not-so-big gets because of busts or injuries or what have you, all of that here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is randomtroy at fansad.com and our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's brewing show? I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along by my co-hosts here in the Random Troy studio in LA, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is a grand old week because we're on vacation. We're, we're, we're not having to deal with whatever's going on in the real world right now. Yeah, we're not dealing with the fallout of the Pac-12 canceling nope, their non-conference slate. Uh, we're not dealing with the fallout of what's going to happen with USC Notre Dame. They've been playing uh, every year continuously, uh, unbroken since 1945, and uh, it would be a, 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 an end to that streak, which would be certainly interesting if they can't. Speak, speaking of which, unbroken, unbroken. A, a movie about a USC alum yeah. who was pretty busy in 1945. Indeed, indeed, uh, yeah. indeed, he was. 
Yes. Um, because he was unbroken. Well, I mean, because he was dealing with bigger things than no football, uh, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, yeah. And Rip Zamperini. He, he, he stayed afloat. <laughs> Unlike yeah. this season, Unlike the season, yes. We'll see. So in case you've been living under a rock and since last Friday you didn't hear <laughs> about the Pac-12 canceling the non-conference uh, slate, welcome to the real world. And uh, we're sorry because it's all bad news. And so... Mm-hmm. We we won't if there was more bad news at the start of the week. We missed it because we're on vacation. We're not paying attention. No. We're totally unplugged from Twitter and unplugged. all other things. And so we aren't gonna discuss those things because we don't have a crystal ball. Yeah, we can't see into the on. future. And uh when you know the catastrophe strikes, we will be oblivious to it. So instead, on this Wednesday, you are going to get a uh, an episode that is entirely focused on things that aren't happening in the world of USC right now because it's all too depressing. Well, to be honest, SC is still recruiting. I mean, this They're is true. They're recruiting quite well to be, you know, it's specific. A, it's a good recruiting class for sure. Uh, At least it looks at, I as, mean, as of now. Uh, it's, uh, as, of, as of now, when we don't have a, like a, a full season that was going to be able to come up and shake out the recruiting class, yep. you know, who knows. But yep. if, you, if you do want uh, Alicia's take, on the latest in college football, uh, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Uh, Alicia, you put up an episode on Thursday responding to the Big Ten canceling the non-conference slates, if I remember that right? Yeah, so I'm doing uh, Scliff Notes episodes, which are uh, just going through the headlines of the day and looking at what is the latest that's, that's going on around USC and around college football in general Obviously, this past week we'll have had no Scliff notes, but uh, that that'll be a feature that we're doing regularly to to keep up with uh, all the little news nuggets that go on around the country on any given day. Yes, indeedy. Patreon dot com slash Red of Troy is where you can get that all bonus content for as little as five to five a month to help support the show and keep us afloat. Uh, so much more coming up on this episode. We're gonna get into USC's. Recruiting classes of all time of the internet era. Take a quick break and start to rank. All right, Alicia, let's dive into the recruiting classes. What are the parameters here? Well, what exactly is the internet era, uh, if you want to call it that? Uh, I, there's no other way to to call it. You can call it the the rivals era or the the 24-7 sports era, even though 24-7 sports came later? Like, I, I don't know how you want to classify it other than the internet era. I tend to look at it as the internet era. It's basically every recruiting class since 2002. Uh, 2001, there is some data out there, but it's very limited, and so you don't get the whole class. You could call it the 24-7 sports composite database era, because it, 2002 is really the year of at which point 24-7 sports composites starts to look at ranking classes against each other, having full grades for uh, for players and the like. So uh, that's generally what we look at when we say the internet era in recruiting. It's 2002 and beyond. I mean, it's, it's basically this century, but it's complete data sets. We're looking at 2002 and beyond. Anything before that is just, there's it's incomplete. Um, so for the purposes of these rankings, we're doing a cutoff with 2002 because of incomplete 
data before 2001. Yep. And we're also doing a cutoff with 2016 because that's the uh, most recent class that is pretty much essentially complete. Correct. The, the 2017 class still has too many players who are currently enrolled at USC whose careers aren't done yet uh, to factor into the grades. Uh, that class is very much going to be defined by what they do in 2020 because they're, you know, the jury is still out on a lot of them. There there are guys who J. could... J. Tufele. J. And, and all of those guys. There are guys who could become really, really, really excellent, really great. But the difference between that class being a sort of a positive versus a negative class could be, is J. Tufele an All-American? Is Elijah Vera Tucker an All-American? Are they all Pac-12 first-teamers? You know, the, all of those things will factor into the, the negative or positive of that class. And uh, so we're we're not even going to factor that into these rankings because it's an incomplete at this point. Same, obviously, for 2018, 2019, and 2020, who are only just beginning. And we'll, we'll get a better picture of those classes as the years go on. But for now, we've got 15 classes to rank. And uh, it's a pretty interesting exercise, I think. Yeah. And so there's 15, which is a good number. Let's, let's start at number 15. With the 2016 class, or always uh, your favorite to talk about. <laughs> yeah, the one that uh, I certainly got in early on the this class didn't turn out all that well. Uh, it's It was ranked 10th nationally, first in the Pac-12. It had two five stars, 12 four stars, and six three stars. Uh, it was a, a good class, a class that looked like it could provide a really strong foundation for USC uh, in, into this era of uh, of the program. And unfortunately, it was just most of the really good guys in that class didn't pan out. Most of them transferred. Uh, the two exceptions for that are Michael Pittman and Tyler Vons, but it's really hard to find too many other serious contenders for elite uh, playmakers that USC got out of that class. Yeah, I remember that being a big wide receiver class. SC obviously took a ton of wide receivers. Pittman, Vons, Sidney... Uh, Josh Amater Bebe, um, so many dudes in that class at, at wide receiver, uh, Bayless Jones. Uh, and it ends up being that they got uh, an elite guy in, in Michael Pittman and someone who's right there on the fringe of being elite himself, Tyler Vaughns. And if you would have said, okay, you got two very good, very good wide receivers, um, three transfers, uh, from from the other, oh no, four four transfers. From there the were other? there were five wide receivers in that class. So three three other transfers. three have transferred yeah. and two Sydney Marbebe and uh, and, and Bayless Jones. Jones. Yes, yeah. actually, I, I, I mean, we, yeah, okay, you can count. Uh, I think Pai Young was in that class too. Yeah, if you count him, yeah, then it's but it's, he was always and, more and, of an athlete. So right, and you you put it all together like. Is is the two elite wide receivers a trade off for the other ones? Maybe I guess you can make that argument when it's you. It's a you, less than fifty percent hit rate. It's a less than fifty percent hit rate, but they certainly exceeded expectations, well, or have at least met the lofty expectations USC fans put on them. But when I think of this class, I think of it was when I first moved to Arizona. It was Clay Helton's first class. I felt like there were a lot of things changing, a lot of eras, not only for me, but for college football and for USC, right? And so SC at the end gets Connor Murphy right there out of Arizona. They get by Malapai, they flip him from Morgan on signing day. And you really felt like that class came together at the last minute and was going to be a big deal. 
They had the Wally Batiku uh, for Mike Juarez trade. That was the remember how huge of a deal that was. Mm-hmm. Mike Juarez was committed to USC for a long time, and then he ultimately goes to UCLA. Uh, Wally Batiku flips his commitment and goes to USC. Neither one of those dudes did anything for SC or UCLA. Uh, both of them, uh, pretty famously, not really playing at all at, at either school. Uh, Batiku ultimately goes to Illinois and is one of those long list of guys who transfers. Um, Batiku, uh, you you got um, uh, EJ Price EJ was another Price, big get late on, late on in that uh, recruiting class that. Felt like, man, this is USC's next big offensive tackle. Yep. He was the heir apparent he, to Chuma Adoga. Yeah. yeah, Nathan Smith. Uh, Nathan Smith is a medical retirement. That one sucks. But EJ Price transfers almost right away. Uh, you have uh, Jamel Cook and uh, and Carrie Angeline both transfer out mm-hmm. uh, despite promising starts for them. Uh, you end up with uh, later on transfers for like CJ Pollard, who was a perennial backup. And Jack Jones, who was an instant contributor, but got into trouble. And when all is said and done, USC has you know a bunch of top two hundred players in this class. Out of the eight that fit that uh, that that category, only two are going to finish their careers at USC. And that is why USC is. I mean, I have linked this class in particular to the 2018 being such a disappointment. I think was in part because of the gap that was created by all of the transfers and all of the departures from this yeah. class that, uh, that that really made it difficult for USC to sustain um, success, especially in 2018 when they were dealing with injury issues. There should have been a stopgap in there from this class to fill some of those roles. And instead, USC was filling injuries with very young players. So this class, I mean, it, it looks good from a Pittman and Vaughn's perspective. I love Vi Malapai. I think he's been a productive player for USC. Jordan yep. ISF has been fairly productive. Um, I think they got more out of ISF than the people than expected. They, yeah, for sure. for sure. But the rest of the class, I mean, you don't, you don't. Matt Fink beating Utah is probably all you could have ex- ever asked of Matt Fink. Sure, yeah. But the rest of the class, I mean, that's just it's just full of disappointments. Yeah, uh, full of disappointments indeed. Uh, let's go to the number fourteen recruiting class. And by, by the way, this is a list that you've put together over on Minotaur.com. You can go read it uh, and, and get some extra content that way, too. If you want more detail on I, th- I I think every single class, I touched on every single player that was in the class in some way or f- shape or form. So even if it's just like a refresher memory, we're not going to get that detailed into it on the on this podcast. But, yeah. but uh, you know, you talk about the what ifs of 2016. I don't think there is a more of a what-if class of all time in USC history than the number 14 class, uh, 2009. It's it's a wild one because I, I am going to kind of push back on the idea that this is the, the second worst class in the internet era when you get Matt Barkley, who's a five-star quarterback, and did everything you could have wanted him to do, um, at least given the circumstances that he was dealt with. Uh, I I don't know what more he could have done besides win the Heisman Trophy, but he wasn't going to win the Heisman Trophy, um, you know, on on that team the way they underperformed. Um, certainly he played a role in that share, but like nobody blames Matt Barkley for 2012, right? Uh, 2011 a banner year for SC. They win uh, all those games, go 10 and two. Matt Barkley is a big reason why. He's a big reason why the 2009 class 
was so highly ranked, ranked third nationally, first in the Pac-10. But it's the what if in that class. They had Vontez Perfect committed until he wasn't right before signing day. Everyone thought Manti Teo was coming to USC, and then he wasn't. And those two guys aren't even factored in to this class because you're looking at who signed and what happened to those guys and how they, they, they panned out. And, and the what if you include, there's what ifs in there too. Man. Frankie Telford signs, and then he's in immediate medical retirement. That's a bummer. You can't control that. No one to blame there at all, but that's, that's a bummer, right? It's the reality. Yeah. Jarvis Jones. Another one. Another one who plays a year at USC as a linebacker, uh, then doesn't get cleared a, a year later, transfers to Georgia and has- Me- Medically one of the, cleared. Oh, yeah. One he, medically he, cleared. He had a medical issue- you know, with his back? USC's, I think it was his spine or, his, yeah, something like that. And USC's doctors wouldn't clear him to play. Yeah. And so he went, he got a second opinion. Goes to Georgia. And goes to Georgia. And, and puts has, in one of the most dominant years we've seen in uh, the history of the SEC. SEC Defensive Player of the Year, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. All-American, yeah. dominant linebacker. Uh, a guy who I believe got, I, I want to say that he even got like a few Heisman votes. Like, he was incredible. Didn't go to USC. Someone who definitely did get Heisman votes, Manti Teo, like we mentioned, right? Like, this is the situation where SC has a class that's anchored by Matt Barkley, anchored by Devon Kennard, a five-star linebacker. He was good, not great at USC. Um, I think that's fine overall. If, if, you're, if your five stars are good, not great, you can get along with that if you have a bunch of other guys around them. And I think it was the depth of that class just wasn't there. Uh, and so then Kennard being good but not great kind of hurts at the, at the top level there. Yeah, and, and that's and that's really why this class is ranked so low. Um, it might be unfair to them. It's just the bulk of the class didn't pan out. And some of the other classes that are ranked ahead of it had just as many of the... I broke these up into exceeds expectations, contributors, and disappointments. Uh, and so, you know, you had a, a handful of guys, Barkley, Kennard, TJ McDonald who you're certainly happy with what they give you in this class. You have guys like Kevin Graff and John Martinez, who are, who are contributors, Joanza Starling and Torin Harris, who are contributors. But the class as a whole, it's just there, there's not enough contributors in there. If if you have those three exceeded expectations guys and then more players who turned out to be multi-year starters, not yeah. necessarily stars, but multi-year starters, this class looks better. But you have uh, Patrick Turner... Uh, sorry, Patrick Hall transfer away. You have James Boyd transfer away. Byron Moore transfer away. Hebron Fengupo transfer away. By- Byron Moore, Narbon, <laughs> Narbon boy. Um, I mean, didn't really work out. Like uh, Devon Flournoy and uh, and Marquis Simmons never really broke through. So the 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 what if guys that we went mentioned Jarvis Jones, Frankie Telford, maybe those are the guys that you're missing. In this uh, in this calculation, yeah, T.J. McDonald, uh, he got All American honors. You can definitely put him at the top of that class too. Uh, but it was just ultimately a top heavy class with Barkley, Kennard, and T.J. And then everything else was just okay slash disappointing. And at, at SC, when you have so many good classes that we're going to get to, that ends up being the 14th best class of the internet era. Let's go to the 13th ranked class of the internet era for USC. None other than 2007. And uh, this... Features one of 
arguably the one of the biggest signings that USC has had in the last two decades, which is reeling in Joe McKnight on on signing day. And this is Big where, moment. and I think this is where this class differentiates itself from that 2009 class. It's not that it had many more stars in that 2009 class. You got Ronald jo- Ronald Johnson, Chris O'Dowd, and Red Ellison, who were really the key players there. But when you're looking at the contributors, Joe McKnight was a bit of a disappointment as a five-star guy, the highest-ranked recruit in USC history, but he was still a 2,000-yard rusher uh, when it came down to his career. He still was a major contributor. And, you know, you, you obviously want more out of those five-star guys, but when you're getting multi-year starting contributions from guys like Everson Griffin and Mark Tyler and and, and even Chris Gallipo, there's more involved there. Malcolm Smith as well is is another guy. Um, DeJon Harris, another guy who... These are people who populated USC's depth chart at the top for a couple of years where the 2009 class didn't have that bulky contributors group that Joe McKnight headlines, which you obviously want him to be in your star uh, listing, but... He's. It's not like he was a total bust. He was productive. Yeah, and I'm not gonna call Joe McKnight a bust or anything like that. He he, he wasn't he was, Reggie Bush, and he was never gonna be Reggie Bush. No, which is but like to him. you know, you you mentioned that he had what was two thousand yards or whatever. But was he ever gonna get more than that g- given the circumstance? Well, yeah, uh, injuries uh, uh, and that those teams were not as Solid. Those offenses, especially with Sark as the offensive coordinator, like it was all built on the idea of the stable of running backs. Uh, they just had so many running backs, they were never going to give anyone the bulk of the carries. And, uh, and maybe maybe if Joe McKnight would have been tr- demonstrably better than the other guys, sure. Yeah. But, but that just wasn't the case. And so I don't look at those numbers as being a deciding factor of those guys' legacy. Because of that, like, uh, like, like they're push, all sort of interchangeable numbers wise. I'll push back on you though, because Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones was in a very similar stable situation, and he still managed a lot more than than Joe McKnight did. To Joe McKnight's credit, he he had six point three eight yards per carry in his career, which is the third best at USC ever. Right. So, like, again, he definitely he, not he, a bust. Right. He the did circumstances what he was around his career are are, are worth discussing. I think. Uh, but he 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 wasn't what USC hoped he would be when he came in. Yeah, and sure. I am going to push back mightily over Everson Griffin just being called a contributor. <laughs> I think Everson Griffin's freshman season one of the one of the best freshman seasons I've seen from a Trojan defender. I thought he was great. That that 2007 class really I thought was built on those freshmen, O'Dowd and Everson Griffin. Uh, O'Dowd at center having to go in there early, uh, when when there was an injury, and he gets in there and and he He's fine. He was completely fine, and that's yeah. more than you could have ever asked of him. And Everson Griffin ha- was really, um, you know, wrecked havoc early on in in his I, career. I just think that I, I feel like his freshman season a, arguably was his best season. I season. don't, yeah, and that's and that's the problem. I don't. I love Everson Griffin. Like he, I loved him as a player at USC. But he was a five-star player, and he he only his best achievement in his career was an all-pack twelve-second team nod. So like sure. you know, you wanted to see more from him, but he was a, a wrecking ball when he was in there. Absolutely, sure. And again, and, that's and, what distinguishes this class from two thousand nine is you had guys like Everson Griffin who but, panned but, out. But also, this is the testament to USC's recruiting prowess that we can sit here and say that these are on the lower end 
of USC's recruits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that, is, that is remarkable. Let's go to number 12. It is the 2013 class, the itsy-bitsy class of 2013. Yeah, this one... <laughs> An historic class, one of the most memorable because... The only class USC has ever had that has never had a three-star signer. Yeah. Signee. The average star rating for this class is is pretty ridiculous. Four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing is this class, the 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 tough thing for this class is that it was so small. You you have a limited sort of potential there. You get Sue Cravens. He's awesome. Not quite, it doesn't quite get the All-American nod, but we all agree that he was that level of, of defender for USC. You get late contributions from Leon McQuay. Uh, Justin Davis was a was another one of those stable running backs who uh, certainly contributed where he could. You get late contributions from Michael Hutchings and Chris Hawkins and Stephen Mitchell and Nico Falla. So you're getting some decent uh, production out of these guys, even if you had to wait a few years for it. What... The the thing that holds this this one back is if Kenny Bigelow had panned out, you're looking at a very different world that USC is living in. If Max Brown had been able to uh, win a starting job early and, and, and lived up to that five-star billing, we're looking at a totally different ranking for this class. But as it is, the two five-star guys... You know, they just uh, it didn't work out for them for a variety of reasons. Yeah, that class really came together in the summer of 2012. Which felt like SC was on top of the world. They were the number one team coming off that 2011 season. Number one team going in the unfinished business era. And that summer, it felt like every single day they were getting a five-star recruit. They only had, I think, 18 or 19 spots in the class. And at one point, they had more signees than they had spots open. And they were all bangers, man. Four and five-star guys. And they lost a ton of them because the season went to hell. Uh, and it was an interesting situation because you lose J- Jalen Ramsey, you lose Max Redfield, you lose to Rodney Prevo, you you lose uh, uh, Justin Hatcher, and all those guys that that uh, Eldridge Massington, right? Mm. Uh, you're pulling out Sebastian some, Larue. You're, you're pulling out some names that are like deep cuts there that I no long outside of Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> None how of those many guys. Of those panned out none of them which yeah, is but, weird but, and, and SC doesn't get credit for that surely but, but Jalen Ramsey but Jalen Ramsey is the one that's always gonna one. gonna you know uh people are gonna remember because can you imagine a USC defense in 2014 that has Jalen Ramsey and Sua and Sua Cravens and Leonard Williams and Leonard Williams and Adore Jackson yeah now you're talking yeah F's in the chat for that one uh let's go to the 20 20- 11 class, sorry, the, the number 11 ranked class, which is 2006. Uh, this is a class USC has to put in a ton of dudes to replace a ton of guys from the 2005 class, and they sign six five-star recruits, six five-star recruits, which is an insane number of guys. Taylor Mays, uh, ends up being the first three-time All-American at USC, or the second three-time All-American at USC uh, after uh, Batman Wood, uh, Richard Batman Wood. And it's a class that has star power up there, uh, but it's also a class that, you know, has some key misses, like uh, Vidal Hazelton 
comes over to SC, has that big moment where you don't know if he's going to sign at Penn State or sign at USC. There's late drama involved and all that. Uh, David Osbury didn't really necessarily pan out. Antoine Perez transferred pretty pretty early on. But still, a lot of star power for the Trojans when you look at Taylor Mays, Stanley Havili, Alan Bradford. David but- Bueller. Butch Lewis. David Bueller, the, the the dude. This was a, a heavy running back class, too. You got Alan Bradford, C.J. Gable, and Stephon Johnson all in one go. And and you're, for, you're forgetting one. Emmanuel Moody? Yes. Who transfers who, away. I want to say that the, that game against Arkansas, SC wins 15-16 on the road uh, against uh, Mitch Mustaine and, and mm-hmm. Damian and Williams. Williams. That was a game which you, you saw all those guys because – I remember turning in this game like, this is going to be life after Bush and Liner. Like, what is going to happen to this offense? And they, they drop a 50-burger um, there on the road in Fayetteville. And it was wild because I thought Moody was the best looking of those he, running backs he early looked, on. He, he was the most exciting. Yeah. He was kind of shifty. shifty. Yeah. yeah. And he, he had a little bit of that like, ooh, is he kind of doing some Reggie stuff over there? And then that just... And then you that, didn't really that, see anything. He just, much just beyond that. No, it just didn't no. happen. He transfers to Florida, and nothing really. Comes well, and the, sa- and the of sad thing either. is, you look at the other three that actually stick it out with USC uh, for longer. Alan Bradford was a huge what if to me. Like if USC had decided to use Alan Bradford more, he could have been so great. Um, CJ Gable was another guy who you, based on his early part of his career, it looked like this This is the next great USC running back, and then I just don't know what happened. I, I keep going back to two things for CJ Gable. Number one, he had a run when he was in high school. Uh, he went to, to Silmar, if I remember. Uh, and he had this run, and I want to say I was watching the news, like Joe Rogan would always do... Joe Rogan, what am I talking about? Fred Rogan. <laughs> Fred Rogan would do this thing where he does the high school uh, highlights, and they would have uh, a helicopter going over these games, right? And so there's this ga- run by C.J. Gable, and he's, like, dragging dudes along. And I'm showing my dad. I'm like, this guy's going to be at SC next year. Look at this. And he would have these moments where he would do that in games, where he would either, you know, make some crazy cuts or he'd just be blazing fast, running by dudes or running through them or whatever. And then you wouldn't see anything. And then he'd turn in a highlight real play, and then then you wouldn't see anything much from him. Kind of reminded me of R.J. Soward in that situation. When mm. when R.J. was doing amazing things, you're like, my God, this dude is incredible. But C.J. Gable was in a um, a stable of Max, and so every mistake kind of got the focus because every time he would fumble, it was a chance for Stephon Johnson to go in there. Right. Or Adam Bradford or Chauncey Washington or... Any of the Joe McKnight, any of those there, other yeah. dudes, yeah. But sure. uh, things were. I mean, CJ Gable is an interesting runner too because he's one of those guys who forged a very successful career in in the Canadian League. He he's uh, yep. in line to be in the All Decade team for the Canadian League. So like things have worked out well for him. But like, yep. how often do you think of a of a of a player who's comes from USC and and gets established in the CFL? Like that's well. It, it's not just about, uh, about, about uh, C.J. Gable. Uh, you, you say where he's been. been. Uh, <laughs> you, you can talk talk about where Vidal Hazleton has been, and he's been with the uh, the Argos. Oh, has he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So there you go. This is the Canadian 
football league class. Yeah, that, that that class has really uh, gone gone abroad, and that's what's been going on about them. About them. What about just? It's a, it's a boat, not boot. It's a boot. It's a boat. It's a boot. Listen to a Canadian. They say a boat. <laughs> uh, before we moved on from this class, uh, I would like to give a shout out to Garrett Green. Uh, one of my favorite uh, stories and players of the of the last uh, of the, of this century, essentially, uh, had a an opportunity to go to Harvard on a full scholarship. Ends up going to USC and supplies one of the great Rose Bowl moments that I will remember forever. Yeah, but really, Stanley Havili. Well, Havili is the good one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna take a quick break and delve into the top ten. We'll be right back. It's time to get into the top 10. Let's talk about the number 10 recruiting class, which happened in 2010. One of the most important classes in USC history. Uh, The most important, probably the one that's coming after this. Spoiler alert. But this is a key one. 2010, USC having to put together something because Pete Carroll leaves on the eve of signing day. Not completely. A month before. Lane Kiffin comes in and has to work wonders to keep together a class that featured a lot of studs, particularly at wide receiver, uh, headlined by Robert Woods. And he does. He's Lane Kiffin signs Robert Woods. He gets Nikel Roby to flip from Tennessee. And it's a class that has a lot of key con- contributors that helps USC ultimately get through the sanctions. When you look at Robert Woods, he's Pollard. Dion Bailey, Nikel Roby, like we mentioned. There's George Uko, Xavier Grimble, Randall Telfer, Demetrius Wright. A bunch of starters really come out of this 2010 class. The issue with this 2010 class are the bus. There are three in particular. Dylan Baxter, Marquise Ambles, and Kevin Prater, Kyle Prater. Mm-hmm. Those three guys... Along with Robert Woods, those were the four that everyone looked forward to in that class, and three of the four were massive disappointments, and Robert Woods did everything anyone could have imagined he would have done at USC. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and that's where the, the balance of this class sort of comes together. It's a very important class, but it, it just it didn't achieve what it needed to achieve. Uh, especially when you factor in that this was a, a key class that was involved in sort of the 2012 situation. And um, certainly 2013 is a great, great year uh, for the team and for a lot of these guys. But uh, there there were a lot of what ifs and there were a lot of situations where, for lack of a better sort of situation or about better phrasing, if this class had been put in the hands of Pete Carroll in his prime at USC, they achieve a hell of a lot more. But because they come in the sanctions era, they're dealing with the bull ban, they're dealing with um, the the scholarship reductions and all that kind of stuff. We just It's just hard to know what exactly they all might have achieved. And when you factor yeah. in those busts, you know, those are big, big, big time busts. Yeah, what was your favorite moment of the Dylan Baxter era? Uh, the, the, the run that Touchdown? set the world on fire in practice. You mean the one that didn't exist? The one that was practice. <laughs> <laughs> he did score he that sure, one touchdown. He sure looked like Reggie Bush. That's all I gotta say. He he did. I mean, if you squinted and, and yeah. had your TV contrast a little different. Yeah. Uh, it was, I thought at the beginning, I thought Lane Kiffin was doing him dirty. 
in the t- at the moment. At the beginning, because I'm like, this dude is incredible. Look at what he did in the spring. What's happening? And then, no, not really. He went on to, what was it, Baker College in, like, Kansas or something? And NAIA school and didn't pan out there. Either. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's, that's, it's a very sad situation where the talent just didn't get matched by the sort of mental side that you need in order to be really successful at that level. Yeah. And uh, he's super committed. He ended up as the second best Baxter to join USC that year. <laughs> John being the first. Uh, let's yeah. go to the next class, the number nine ranked class in USC recruiting history. The 2011 class, the one that preceded, sorry, succeeded the 2010 class. And, an incredibly important class for Lane Kiffin. The sanctions get dealt uh, on June 10th, 2010, and all of a sudden, Lane Kiffin needs to figure out what he's going to do. Um, as he is lucky enough to to win a stay of execution uh, for one year, push the, the sanctions back a year, uh, so they're able to sign as many dudes as they possibly could, like 94 of them or something like that in that twenty. 11 class, and so it creates a class in which there's a lot of dudes. If you look on that list, you're like, I've never heard of that dude before, ever. But there's also a lot of guys you surely did uh, that SC got a lot out of, including Marquise Lee, the 2012 Politnikoff Award winner, set a bunch of records at USC, and in the Pac-12 with his dominant 2012 season. Uh, it was a situation where Lane Kiffin went after two quarterbacks, Cody Kessler and Max Wittick, you had to get something good out of one of them. He did out of uh, out of Cody Kessler, um, who had put up a bunch of stats. And I know people don't like Cody Kessler, and I've always said that's unfair because the reason Cody Kessler doesn't look like he's he had that great of a year at, at USC is because you're comparing him to every other USC quarterback. Yeah, Co- Cody Kessler was which, which a is which is the thing to do, quarterback. right? Like like I, I don't I don't think it's an unreasonable comparison to compare him to every other USC quarterback, but I if, mean, if he's, he's your worst court, your worst starting quarterback of, of, the, of century, the century, yeah, that's a really damn good situation for your quarterbacks. Yeah, no, Cody Kessler did exactly what he needed to do in that Sark offense. Uh, he and in in the uh, Kiffin. The well, you know, the the start of the Kiffin, the Sar- end of the Sar- 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 the Sar- end, the end of the Kiffin era, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Either Speaking way, of players done dirty by Lane Kiffin. Well, Cody Kessler, Cody Kessler was absolutely done yeah. done dirty uh, with the way that they refused to just name him the starting quarterback to start with. But you know, he was, uh, I think, a much better quarterback than people give him credit for. Uh, he did did he lack the certain it factor that we've seen from other guys like Sam Darnold and that we saw from Mark Sanchez and that we saw from even Matt, Matt Barkley. Uh, yes, absolutely. He did. Yeah. But if that's like, that's literally all he lacked and, and it does, it, obviously it's going to put him behind those guys in terms of like the rankings of quarterbacks in, in, uh, in uh, USC lore, but USC has been spoiled at quarterback for a long, long, long time. And Cody Kessler, wait, wait, are you, you saying a, a Bakersfield kid isn't as glitzy as a kid from, Mission Viejo? <laughs> Apparently not, no. Okay. Well, I don't know. The media like to tell us that a lot uh, ahead of the 2015 season. So. Yeah, ho- the, the the Hollywood school that has the not Hollywood quarterback yeah. or whatever 
garbage. And then they tried to tell us that about Sam Darnold, too, and that made me laugh. And the same thing about Clay Helton, the same yeah. thing about... What, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the, the, the point is, it's a very good class for USC. Uh, Buck Allen is the, the other big name here. Someone, again, done dirty by Lane Kiffin, uh, who has a great career uh, under under Steve Sarkeesian, uh, under Ed Ogeron, under Tommy Robinson, and um, yeah, a lot of big names. But that class will also be highlighted by uh, a key miss. George Farmer. Uh, and this is not USC's fault. He just broke down. Uh, he he struggled to stay healthy. Uh, in his final season in 2014, he finally put together as healthy of his year as he could have. He left early for the NFL, took his shot when he had a, a vague chance, went undrafted, but signed one of the most lucrative undrafted free agent contracts that you'll see. Uh, which ultimately didn't really get him anywhere in, in the NFL, but it was he—he kind of had to take a shot, and uh, I, I think a lot of people understood that because of his injury history, a couple of ACL tears, pretty brutal. Amir Carlisle, a guy who had an ACL tear early on, that he reminded me of Dylan Baxter in that that first fall camp. Everyone raved about yep. Amir Carlisle. And then um, he transfers to Notre Dame and was was decent, but not great uh, for the Irish and, over and there. Another guy in this class who doesn't quite get where you want him to is Lamar Dawson. You give him the number 55 and, yep. you know, he has 21 starts in his career. So obviously he was OK, but he was just OK. And you don't want your 55 being just OK. I maintain if Lamar Dawson didn't wear number 55. The perception of him would be much, much. Incredibly different. Yes, absolutely. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, another shout out in this is that USC goes ahead in this class with John Baxter and gives him a couple scholarship uh, special team scholarships. And both of those actually turn out extremely well. Uh, he goes out and signs Andre Hidari and Chris Alborado. Exactly what you want if you're going to be giving scholarships to kickers and punters. Yeah. Andre Hidari, the first player I ever had a class with. Oh, yeah? yeah. All Pac-12. It was in 2011, too. It was like his, his very first class. Uh, it was Earthquakes. We took Earthquakes together. Oh, there you go. Legit. Robert Woods was also in the class. <laughs> TJ McDonald. Uh, but enough about me. Let's get to the number eight class. The 2015 USC recruiting class, which featured another class of two quarterbacks. USC going after Sam Darnold and Ricky Town. Ricky Town, the guy that five-star guy committed to Alabama, then... That didn't pan out. He flips to USC, and that didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. He gets run off the pitch by none other than Sam Darnold, who seemingly came out of nowhere in comparison. I, I, I've I've put on Twitter multiple times that, relatively, Sam Darnold was a diamond in the rough and a nobody compared to, and no one ever realizes that I'm saying in comparison to right. and re- like relative to Ricky all the big Town. name quarterbacks that USC were going after at the time. Yeah. You can throw Ricky Town in there also. But you talk about Tate Martell and KJ Costello and Tua Tagovailoa and uh Shea Patterson, all those guys they went after and they didn't get. It was all men- rendered meaningless because the guy that they did get who wasn't nearly as heralded as them at the time, Sam Darnold was way better than all of them in college, save for Tua. Yeah, and we took note of that right away. The moment Steve Sarkeesian started talking about Sam Darnold, 
I like I remember where I was on that signing day. Yeah. It was we were we had a war room at your place. If I had the uh, the, the soundboard hooked up, connected, I, I, I'd play yeah. the the clip of Sark yeah. talking about. Uh, but Sam I remember Darnold. I remember talking about that at the time, going like, "Damn, he's really laying it on thick he, there." With he Darnold. talked about Ricky Town for one second, yeah. and then he's like, "And Sam Darnold just blew us it's away." away. Yeah. Blah 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 blah, <laughs> and that's when you knew like. Maybe Darnold's the guy to keep an yeah. eye on, and, and he's ultimately the jewel of the class. And Darnold absolutely is the jewel of the class. This class is so weird to evaluate, though. I, I struggle with this. This class wins USC the Pac-12 for the first time in 10 years. So, like, I don't want to understate this class at all when you have guys like Darnold and Iman Marshall and Cam Smith and Rasheem Green and Ronald Jones and Deontay Burnett in this class. That's a good-ass class. Uh but it's also a class that's like not as good as you want them to be. How do I, how do I phrase it? Like, well, I don't know because they hit on the guys that you didn't necessarily expect, right? Like, like again, in terms of like recruiting hype at the time, Ricky Town was more hyped than than Sam Darnold. Ultimately, that changed, obviously. Um, but. Uh, Deontay Burnett was a was a blue shirt guy. They added on signing day that was deciding between uh, Washington State and you know he he goes to SC and you're like, why did he pick SC? Like he should have just gone to Washington. Like who's this like three star? And then he ends up being a hero in the Rose Bowl uh, a year and a half later. So it's a big deal that SC gets him. This is also a class when they add another blue shirt. Uh, in terms of Matt Bormeister, who wins the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. Sam Darnold wins the Rose Bowl for them. Those three key guys are big, big dudes. That, but at the that, same that time, win big games. The headline, the headline of this class is the linebackers, and frankly, the linebackers don't work out. Let, let's um, talk about those guys. Let's talk about the the defensive players. Because well, and, I, and I, I remember, and it's being harsh to talk about the linebackers not working out. That's extremely harsh. Cam Smith absolutely worked out from day one. He, but he was the linebacker that you least would have expected to work out. Right, but Porter Gustin is injury plagued the entire way through. Yes, uh, very talented. Could have been an All American. I can't call him a bust. It's hard to call him a bust because he was that good when he was available. Yes, he was just so rarely available. Yeah. I can't Osa Messina, call Osa Messina a bust either. Well, he took himself off. The he field. took himself off the field. The Osa Messina is uh, uh, something that USC really had a had a scoop and score in his first game. USC cannot control what Osa Messina ended up what, what his fate, uh, but he is a disappointment in this class. Like 100%. he is absolutely a guy that USC didn't get what they hoped for out of. And John Houston ends up like he's like Michael Hutchins light. Like where he doesn't do much in the early part of his career, he comes on late and is a starter. Except he didn't have the leadership or the uh, impact that Michael Hutchins ultimately had. John Houston and Lamar Dawson are similar, I think. Lamar Dawson might have been a little bit better, um, but they're they're similar in that they're they're unsung. And I think that if they didn't have the recruiting prowess or the re- recruiting stance that they they had at the time and were as revered as recruits. We look at them completely differently. That, uh, yeah, if John Houston is Jordan Iacefa, maybe we're a little bit yes, more generous to him. Sure. But he, like the 
2018 and 2019 were not great years but for Rash- USC Rashim, linebackers. Rashim Green met expectations. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, like I said, this is a really good class. Biggie Marshall but, met, met expectations. And, and that's the problem. Like, Marvell Tell meets expectations. Marvell Tell is really great. And Chuma Adoga is really great. And Iman Marshall's really great. But, like, they were, the, it's the difference between, like, what does it take to go from. Chum, can we talk about Chuma? Ch- well, Chuma's, Chuma was injured half the time and felt like he could have. And this is my problem with this class. And I, again, I'm being very harsh to it because it was a really great class that delivered the Pac 12 title to USC. It, but, but, but it's still it's full class, of good, not great guys. It's, it's, it's the whole of very good. This, this class is in the whole of very good. And, and, and even down to Sam Darnold, like you looked at it and you look at it and say, these are really talented players who you wanted more from to a certain point. Like you wanted right. some, one extra level. What they were so close to that next level. Well, can, can and we, they just weren't there. Can we talk about the actual, what should it be the jewel of this class? Rojo? Ronald Jones? Well, R- R- Rojo was the jewel of this class. <laughs> I mean, besides Darnold, obviously. But Rojo's the only one I look at that I didn't, I couldn't ask for any more from him. He, he performed exactly as people hoped. Um, I remember watching him in the Under Armour game. He had a big touchdown in that game. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say that Snoop Dogg was like, that guy's going to be great at SC. And then he was. Um, and he was fantastic um, at SC, obviously. So. It's it's a weird it's a weird class and and that we can we can nitpick when this is a class that got so much out of guys maybe you didn't expect like Deontay Burnett and again relatively Sam Darnold um, is a testament to how good USC is recruited uh, overall. Let's go to the number seven class, the twenty oh eight class, two thousand and eight, uh, a class in which SC needs to start. That rebuild on defense. 2008 was the year that everyone was a senior. Uh, and this is a class in which SC got some dudes. Uh, Curtis McNeil, Matt Khalil, Jarrell Casey. Um, only two five-stars. There were ten four-stars, seven three-stars. Uh, you get big contributions from guys like Nick Perry, Colin Holmes, Wes Horton. Um, but there's also disappointments like Blake Ailes, a, a guy who I thought was going to be like the next Jeremy Shockey. Uh, and then that wasn't the case. And then I'm like, I need to stop thinking that like scraggly haired white dudes who are tight ends are going to be the next Jeremy Shockey. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, th- this class, though, it's just it- it's all about the offensive and defensive lines. And like, I'm trying to figure out why USC didn't win more games in the ensuing years with the offensive and defensive linemen that they had from this class. And I think, Oh oh, yeah. Tyron Smith. I think part of it might be timing. Um, You get Matt Khalil, you get Tyron Smith, both are Morris trophy winners. You get uh, Jarrell Casey, who was a very solid uh, defender for USC. You get Colin Holmes, who was as dependable a center as you could possibly ask for. Um, Nick Perry, Wes Horton, Armand Armstead, Armand Armstead are all, I I, I want to say that the problem for SC is you had the brain drain at the end of the P. Carroll That's era, right? probably right, yes. You were losing everybody. This is We're, we're getting to a, a period where they had Rocky Seto as the defensive coordinator, right? Like, Yeah. You would, you would run well, you, out you, of... You got Jeremy Bates as your offensive coordinator in 2009. Yeah, so yeah like, John Morton and, and Jeremy Bates were, were the head of that offense. And it was a situation where... 
Um, you know, you, you didn't get as much as you could have out of some of these dudes like Tyron Smith and Jarrell Casey, but also those dudes were megastars in the NFL. Um, and I just want to say that sometimes players just take a while to develop a little bit. Um, could they have gotten more out of those guys if Ed Ogeron was there and Matt Rule was there? Um, and, um, you know, all those the 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 early on uh carol uh coaches for their entire careers maybe who knows um but they were super talented guys they were super talented at usc uh the problem was that those teams that they were on just had a million faults still a great recruiting class though. yeah and that's the other thing is it's hard to say you know the the prime year that this class would have been in was 2010 which was such a weird year like i don't know it's it, it's the, like the last class they probably should have achieved more yeah but but I, as individuals I, there's so much to like i'm gonna give you a little pushback here you have this class at rank number seven right yeah i don't think it should be that high because um Two Morris Trophy winners. No, I, I get that, but I still a think that... A thousand-yard rusher. Like, like Tyron Smith and Jarrell Casey. I, I, I guess you give them you give them credit for, for picking up pro ballers, all, all pro guys, right? But, like, I don't know if Jarrell Casey was all pro. Definitely a pro bowler. But um, you can certainly give SC credit for getting that talent. But in terms of what the talent all put together, I feel like they got more out of the class before, the the, the 2015 class, right? I don't know. I, I mean, we're, we're grasping the straws here. Yeah. I mean, there's not too much to distinguish those two classes from each other, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, I just think as individuals, they reached higher heights All right. in this class. I mean... I'll, I'll, I'll take your word yeah. for it. Uh, let's move on to number six. The 2014 class... One that will forever be called the Juju and Adori class. Yep. That's what it was. That's what it was. SC got Juju and Adori along with the Oost crew, uh, Vianney Talamaivo. Uh, they got Damian Mama. Uh, they, they got Toa Lobandon uh, and Juju, those four guys in the Oost crew. Uh, and then Adori Jackson, obviously, from Sarah. Chen and Owosu, too. Chen and Owosu. Mighty fine dude. They got uh, a lot of big names here. Uh, guys you had that you didn't expect much of far exceeded their expectations, uh, like Uchenna. Uh, and then you had not really too many busts. And I think that th- this That's is one of those big class, about this class. classes in which, who's the biggest bust in this class? Jonathan Lockett? I think it's Bryce Dixon. If we're going to, like, Bryce Dixon was Again, a like Osa Messina, he's someone who took himself off the field. Yeah, absolutely. He's probably the biggest disappointment. If we if we, if we we don't use the term bust, he's probably the, the biggest disappointment, Bryce Dixon. Yeah. Because it felt like he had the highest ceiling there. Right, but he, uh, he he's not a disappointment for football reasons. No, and, and you look at the other guys, like Jonathan Lockett, uh, uh, John Plattenberg is a medical retirement after a little while, um... I don't remember expecting that much from Elijah Wan Tucker, Rasheed Johnson. I don't remember expecting a ton of from either Lamont Simmons. Lamont Simmons I, I liked, transferred. I liked, I liked seeing, him. Yeah, seeing what he did, he was super tall as a cornerback. If I remember right, he goes to Georgia Tech. But like, um, yeah, I, 
But the, like the, the there's big no hitters, big name bus because the, the, key, the, the big names that w- could have been bus were all great players. And well, Juju and and, and, Dory. and so like the closest thing USC comes to a bust, I think, is someone Amy like and Mama. Like some, some yeah, t- but, but even that, the, that that's a stupid alignment. that's a stupid use of the word bust. Well, and see, and that's and that's my point is is if you have if you take issue with anything in this class, it's that you had Mama Talmavau. Loban Don, Chris Brown. That's a really solid foundation for your offensive line. Right. And you get starter starting quality out of all of them, but none takes the next step into elite, which is what right. you want to see. But that's now, a coaching problem. Th- I mean, they have a, a new offensive line coach every single year. Yeah. Um, there's all sorts of things going on with the program at, at this time. So, like, while it might be slightly disappointing that you didn't get elite from those offensive linemen, like I again, that's that's a coaching issue for sure. Meanwhile, you get elite from guys like Adori and Juju and Chen and Wosu. So, really, <laughs> you hit way more often than you missed in this class. Absolutely. Uh, let's go to the top five, shall we? Let's do it. All right, we'll be right back. All right, Alicia, let's go to number five, a class that got to USC in 2004. One of my favorite USC recruiting classes, because I remember a picture that was in Sports Illustrated of all these dudes standing on Howard Jones Field. Uh, and one of the dudes that I was super excited for was this uh, this lanky wide receiver. There were two of them, actually. One of them from Ohio, and the other one from New Jersey. The Ohio guy was the one that I was super excited for at the beginning. His name Fred Davis. He he turned out okay. He turned out okay, but not as but a wide not receiver. As a, not yeah. what you thought he was no. going to be. No. The, he did that thing that I like to do in Madden when you take a physical wide receiver <laughs> and then you move them to a different position at tight end and then all of a sudden they like shoot up in, in overall rating. Pro tip. That's what you got to do. Easily you take – I just got Julio Jones in Madden. He was a 92, moving the tight end, 96. It's a great. Anyways, that's what happened to Fred Davis. Dwayne Jarrett, someone who hits the ground running in 2004 and has a fantastic career. Uh, Other dudes that you've probably heard of in this class. I don't know. uh, Clay Matthews. Ever heard of that guy? Keith Rivers. Deuce Latouille. Deuce Latouille. It's okay. Just okay. You know. Just a handful of All-Americans there. That's no biggie. Mackey Award winner. No biggie. Yeah, ton of big names. Another big name that should have been on that list but had a bunch of injuries uh, was Jeff Byers, someone who played 86 years at USC uh, because he had so many injuries. Uh, right, but- he was a, and that's the funny, he was All-Pac-10, uh, second-team All-American, mm-hmm. three-year starter, but... Just but like injured. A weird, a <laughs> weird three years of starting yeah, ever. Ever, yeah. for sure. Um, but I, I remember that class because at the Army All-American game, they made such a big deal about Byers and Rivers being the catalyst for recruiting other players to SC. And those two guys were tremendous leaders that SC got. Uh, Rivers obviously goes on to be an All-American, and Byers has all of those there's injury issues, and I always thought it was funny. It was Keith Rivers, uh, and then Jeff Byers, and there's also you know the famous football player named Keith Byers from Ohio State. So it's like you know, one of those weird dynamics of names. <laughs> okay, yeah. sure. Anyways, uh, let's talk about the disappointment. 
Jeff Swigert. Yeah. I thought this dude was going to be... Remember Morgan Breslin, right? Yeah. What Morgan Breslin was was what I expected Jeff Swigert to be. Didn't happen. No, did not. He had 4.5 tackles uh, in, in his first year. And then nothing. Nothing, nothing, Broke nothing. Broke his foot and then no. nothing. Uh, other, other key misses in that class. Uh, Rocky Hines, a quarterback who I always thought uh, would have been really good if he got a chance. Never got a chance. Not really his fault. There were these guys named uh, Leinert, yeah. Booty, Sanchez yeah. ahead of him. Maybe maybe not the greatest time to be no. Uh, no. stuck in that logjam. Yeah, but but those are the only two really notable bus quotes. Uh, Schweiger, absolutely one of the all-time busts at USC, but I wouldn't call Rocky Hines a bust by, by any stretch. This was just a solid class in which SC just got a ton of dudes. Scott Ware, Tyler Rasal, Josh Pinkert. Uh, Josh Pinker, another dude who played like 93 years at USC. Yeah, like... He graduated, so, what, two years ago? I think something like that. I, yeah. I swear he might still be taking classes at USC, but... Uh, yeah, again, another another class where, like, even the disappointments for you, they're, there's few and far between. And maybe you look at guys like Thomas Herring and uh, uh, Ryan Paldrell, Paldrell and wish you would have got more, of, more out of them, but... Uh, you you got your your hit rate is still very good in this class. But but speaking of hit rate, can we talk about one of the all time greatest hit rates, twenty twelve? Mm hmm. A, a class in which SC doesn't sign that many dudes, only fifteen. They have to get the most out of all these fifteen guys. Lane Kiffin, th- this is like a recruiting class. Remember Independence Day when they're they're leaving the mothership, and like. The the thing is closing, and you're like, I gotta get out of there with with and survive. That's like the analogy for this class for me is like, <laughs> you you gotta get out with the most talent that you have at the last moment, right? And that's what Lane Kiffin did. Uh, only one five star, ten four stars, but by God, did he get the most out of everybody to, uh, that he could? Nelson it, Aguilar. You get four All Americans in this class. Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, a certain guy by the name of Chad Wheeler, three-star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach Banner, those four guys are on the wall. Uh, the late, great Max Turk mm-hmm. becomes the first true freshman left tackle to ever start at USC. Y- you got Darius Rogers, who was signed in 2012, is also sort of part of the 2013 class because he was a gray shirt. So he didn't play until 2013, but we'll include him here for for... For for now, and then you got Gerald Bowman, some guy who was gets USC as a, as a highly talented uh, safety. I remember, I want to say he was the number one safety in the country coming out of the JUCO level. Um, he was very good for USC and in minimal. Hey, um, only only ten games, but they were a good ten games for he, sure. He did work yeah. in those ten games for sure. Um, and Morgan Breslin, who we talked about. The silent assassin. One of the all-time greatest JUCO pickups ever. Like, you're talking about great JUCO pickups at USC. It's like Keyshawn and then Morgan Breslin. 17.5 sacks and 18 career starts. Well, sorry. It is, uh, it, it is well, Ron Yeri and yeah. then Keyshawn <laughs> and then Morgan Breslin. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Some, so but but Ron Yeri only went to Cerritos because he had to. Yeah. Freshmen weren't playing back uh, then. Either way, uh, Kevon Seymour. 24 games started. Great. Really yeah. solid career at the end. 
Uh, you get 14 starts out of Scott Felix. Uh, the, the the top end of this class, Fantastic. you hit. You yeah. really hit. You, you you had to. You missed. To get through the sanctions. You only had 15 scholarships. They hit on 12 dudes. Yeah. Now, you're thinking 12 out of 15, who are those three guys? Now, of the three guys they didn't hit on, one of these has a built-in excuse. Jordan Simmons, who just has a ton of um, a, a ton of injuries. And based on what he did, what he's done he's so far the with the Seattle Seahawks, if they had been given, if he had been given his sixth year of eligibility, we would have seen something from him contribution-wise. Yeah. But uh, unfortunately, he didn't get that sixth year, which I thought to be very unfair. But uh, good on him in the NFL now. Yeah, Jalen Fitzpatrick takes himself off the field with. Academic uh, issues. Yep. Jabari Ruffin takes him out, uh, self off the field with off the field issues. Yep. So very disappointing for those two guys. But uh, again, if you're talking about a class of 15 and you only had a couple who flamed out, you're 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 getting a really really solid return from all of those guys. Not to mention, not to mention, it's not just you had contributors, which you obviously did. But you also have four All-Americans in there, like yeah. all-timers. So yeah. Leonard Williams and Nelson Aguilar are in the record bo- record books. Yeah. So speaking of record books, can we get to the next one? Because there's let's do it. Key key record book dudes. We're we're in the, in the really fun one. bit yeah. now, where it's all really any really of these successful could be players. One. Yeah, <laughs> any of these could be the number one class. The number three class that we've gotten is two thousand and two. That's the where we we've put that class for USC. Only one five star. Pete Who needs was five really stars slacking. when you when you uh, when you produce what USC produced out of this yeah. class? Nine nine four stars, eleven three stars. Uh, sorry, USC Twitter. There were eleven three stars the in that two thousand two class, including Mike Williams, the greatest USC wide receiver, pound for pound. For my money, is Mike Williams, and he was a three star out of uh, out of Florida, Tampa, Florida, and. He gets to USC and everything turns around along with other key players on this team. Um, Tom Malone, the greatest punter in USC football history. All-American punter, Tom Malone. Darnell Bing, who commits probably the most painful penalty in USC football history (laughs) that no one ever talks about. You know, I, not to not to prepare. No. Dar- <laughs> you're Darnell about to B. you're about to flame Darnell B right and now. His All American career, <laughs> All American captain, Tro- yeah. Trojan captain. It's great, <laughs> but I think it's weird that everyone points at Vince Young's knee being down. It was. It was yeah. Uh, the Reggie Bush lateral, and fourth and two. No one ever mentions. Well, what happens if Darnell Bing doesn't have a late hit on that last drive? And Texas has a fourth and five on their own side of the 50. No one ever mentions that. Mm-hmm. But, Darnell B, very good. Uh, other key players, Winston Justice, Dominic Bird, the late Fred Matua, Dallas Sartz, Moan Ramsey, Kyle Williams, Oscar Lua. Ton of dudes. Oscar Lua, three-star. Like, ton of dudes USC got out of this class. Uh, talking about disappointments, not really that many of them. Manny Wright? He had a huge sack against uh, a certain uh, Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So you can't really hate him for that. And there were a couple of Juco guys. SC rolled the dice on that didn't necessarily pan out. But that happens. Um, this was a tremendous class for USA. Uh, again, when you only have three guys that we can mention in the disappointment category, you're doing something right. 
Yeah, and out of, of twenty one. You're getting serious not only are you getting serious contributions from from everybody in there, these are contributors to national title teams. Um you know, these are the guys who make up the backbone of the teams that would go on to achieve amazing things at USC, which is why this class is ranked so high. Because you it's it's not just that you're a starter. You're a starter on a national title winning team. You're a starter on a Rose Bowl winning team. Like that matters. One hundred percent. Let's go to the number two class. The two thousand and five recruiting class. You gave them as a grade nine out of ten. Hard to get ten out of ten. Well nine out of ten, there, pretty damn close. There is a ten out of ten. We'll, we'll, so. we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, but the, the nine out of ten recruiting class is the number first number first, number one overall in the country. Recruiting class, first in the Pac-12 uh, in 2005. USC signs a trio of five stars named Mark Sanchez, Brian Cushing, and Ray, Mal- Ray Maluga, who all panned out. You Brett Musburger I over knew, here? I, I nearly did. It's, to be fair, it's it's after midnight <laughs> at this point. This is true. Um, they were all great for, for SC, all fantastic, all everything that you would have ever wanted. Um. Mal Luger won the Ben Narek. You had uh, Charles Brown, who was an All-American and a, and a Morris Trophy winner as a three-star. Another three-star, Kevin Allison, who we always say is the most unheralded the, player of the P. Carroll era. I, I, was, I was just thinking as we're going through this, it's sad how many times we have to say the late great, but the late great Kevin Allison, who yes. you and I both agree was the unsung hero of that 2008 defense, the best defense in USC history, yeah, arguably. That's, that's four, huh? Kevin Allison, Joe mm-hmm. McKnight, Fred Matua, Max Turk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there's another one we're missing, the, the, that Too many. feels even worse. Too many. Either either way, Kevin Allison... Uh, Mario Danello. Mario Danello, yes. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Allison was uh, w- just one of those guys who was so pivotal, and he's a two-time All-Pac-12 first-teamer, well, I'll pack 10 per first teamer and he deserves every bit of that and deserved a hell of a lot more credit for, for how good USC's defense that was, uh, was that year in 2008. And, uh, yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. And, um, we'll get to one more guy on, on the next slide. Oh. Um, when we get to number one, but yeah, uh, the, as, as tragic as, as these USC players that, you know, we, we've lost have been. These dudes were the backbones for for key wins, like we like we've said. You, mm-hmm. you said you said that the two thousand uh, three class was the backbone. The two thousand five and the two thousand next class that we'll get to the number one class, the appendages, the the ones that really put everything together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for for USC, took there things at over the, the top at the heart of the Pete Carroll era. Um, only disappointments in two thousand five. I guess you can say Patrick Turner's a disappointment. It's Patrick Turner is a disappointment much in the same vein of you could say that uh like the people who say that Biggie Marshall's a disappointment yeah. are the same people who say that Patrick Turner's a disappointment. Patrick Turner is only in the disappointment category. Only. For the same reason that Joe McKnight is in the just he's just a contributor category. Right. He is the highest ranked USC receiver commit ever. And he had just had a so-so career. Yeah, he was fine. If he was a four-star, people would have, people would have yeah. lauded him for sure. If if he was a a five-star, but not the number two player in the class, it would have been different too. But 
that's what he was. So you know, judge him like that. All right. Sorry, Patrick. Lucy, it's time. It's time. It's time to get to the number one class. Number one. In the history. The internet history of USC football. 2020. What a class that was. No five stars. <laughs> but you know, yeah. you know, you know, the- you know, I can't wait to talk about the 2019 class to be to be serious right here. I can't wait to talk about the 2019 class because I think that could be a class that we look back on and go like. This is why you don't poo poo three stars like this is why sure. you don't freak out because the class is ranked 19th in the country. You got critical guys who are going to be really important for you. Now, I'm putting the cart before the horse. Absolutely. But, uh... Well, let's yeah. talk about a class that at the time was not the best I class mean, in the country. I mean, let's run through number, the star number two, This the was star the ratings. number two class in the country. The 2003 USC recruiting class. The only class you put a 10 out of 10 grade on. First in the Pac-10, obviously. Only two five stars. Only two. Only two. Only two. Uh, 12 four stars, 11 three stars. Gasp. There were some dudes in this class, Alicia. <laughs> some dudes on dudes. Like, L- Lojack. The, the, the dutiest of dudes. Ryan Khalil, Feely Mawala, Sam Baker, Cedric Ellis, Steve Smith, Lendale White, and Reggie Bush, which we don't have to whisper anymore. <laughs> Say his name, Michael. Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush. Yeah, Reggie Bush. Yeah, we've Pretty talked. Good. We've talked about some classes where USC brought in multiples of different positions, and you look at this one when you bring in Reggie Bush and Lendell White in the same class. That is obscene. How good that turns out to be. Uh, when you bring in Sam Baker and Ryan Khalil in the same class, it's obscene how good that turned out to be. You bring in Cedric Ellis and Philly Moala and Lawrence Jackson. In the same class. That's obscene how good that turned out to be. So, like, this class is... Oh, I, for, I forgot to mention Chauncey Washington, who turns, yeah. who works out later on Ooh, down the line. I, I think... I, I don't think it would have been a hot take to say at the moment that he was, like, as good as those guys coming out of high school. I mean, he, that that three-man running back class, USC gets some pretty decent contributions yeah. out of them South when, all is, when all is said and done. Um, there's a very, 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 very big, uh, uh, disappointment in this class and a very sad disappointment in this class yeah. and well, well, another well, sad disappointment in this class for, for completely different reasons. Yes. Uh, Whitney Lewis is the bust, the all timer bust that no one cares about because everyone else panned out. Like, can you imagine if he had panned out if though? Whitney Lewis had panned <laughs> out, like, like where was he going to fit in? I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Either way, he, he he doesn't pan out for USC. Uh, Desmond Reed. Yeah, you, you have in the disappointment category, and that kills me because it's not not by his control. Like I mean, but but it's... I don't even think he belongs in that category because I always thought Desmond Reed could be the next Reggie Bush, and I understand this is like fourteen year old me watching football and being like. You know, when Desmond Reed's in there, he's doing I mean, the same. that's like me saying Trey Madden could be the next Marcus could, Allen. No, like I wanted it to be. Could you, when he was on the field, Desmond Reed, and I know he was, it was garbage time, <laughs> but he was doing the same thing that Reggie was doing. Okay. He just wore 22 instead of five. You sound like me talking about Trey Madden, so I respect it. I'm just saying, fine. Desmond Reed was pretty damn good. I'm just saying. Uh, until his knee got... Torn up by the uh, eight-foot-tall grass mm-hmm. at, at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. But he comes back a year later. 
Gets that pass from your boy Garrett Green. Yeah. Flips into the end zone against One of the Illinois. great moments in the, in the Rose Bowl for, for me. Yeah. Yep. And then lastly, as we kind of alluded to, uh, the other late great Trojan to be, Dan Rucker, a linebacker who didn't make it to USC, passed away in a swimming accident. Yeah. that's It's always very sad when you have like a prospect whose whole life is ahead of them and tragedy strikes so that's a really bummer of a way to sort of wrap this up but rest in peace Dan Rucker yeah uh but let's turn things back to a lighter note this class is the number one class because of what they accomplished they won back-to-back titles at USC Reggie Bush winning a Heisman Trophy obviously this is how you win national championships you put together a class like this with Bush and Baker and Ellis and Khalil and Moala and Lojack and Smith. Like, how many All-Americans are in that bunch? Yeah. A ton. Yeah. I mean, uh, like you said, this is, this, is the, this is the kind of class that takes you from Pac-12 champions to national champions. Yep. Yeah. That's- Which is what happened. SC had a share of the Pac-12 title in 2002, shared it with the Washington State Cougars, and ultimately go into 2003 and uh, win a couple of titles back-to-back. Should have been three straight. Heck, it should have been, mm. let, let's be real here, should have been like five straight. Mm-hmm. But, you know, things happen. Though the playoff didn't happen, as it were. Yeah, but, okay, let's just talk about that for a second. You think that if the, the playoff would have existed that SC would have won every playoff game? No, I I think I don't think they would. Because I don't won. think that's re- I, I think- I, they wouldn't have won those in a row. I can tell you right now, twenty two thousand eight wins a national title. Absolutely. See, this I I will take it to my grave. Two thousand eight's the one I'm not sure of. I think six and seven, I'm definitely sure win. Hmm. Eight, I'm not because because of how everything played out. I think. T- the competition in 2008 was so much stronger than the other, That's than fair, the other two years. That's fair, but I am so confident in 2008. 2006. There was no business losing to UCLA 13-9. to just, uh, Absolutely. USC threw squeaks, that one away. squeaks out that game. They beat Ohio State by, by 30, at least 40 points, right? Um, the next year, 2007, there's no business losing to Stanford, a 40-point underdog. If they beat Stanford, a 40-point underdog, SC again waltzes to a national championship of of Ohio State. One of the great what-ifs in USC history. What if USC had just put Mark Sanchez in that game? Yeah. They go on to win a national title. They do. Yeah, for sure. Like, undoubtedly they do. I don't think you can make that case in 2008 because there wasn't a dead-on-arrival team in the national championship like Ohio State the two years before. Because in 2008, you would have been going up against the Tebow Florida Gators. I like USC's chances. Sure. But, like, that team, way worlds better than than those those Ohio State teams the two years before. Right, but I'm talking, like, if there was a playoff, you'd still have to go through. I mean, yeah, if there was a playoff, Ohio State could have been eliminated before. Um, I'm just talking about as it was with a two-team playoff. I think I see had plenty of chances. Uh, they shot themselves in the foot. But the point is, you can, you can even make this argument that they could have won four or five titles in a row is because of classes like 2003. Absolutely. So, yes. Yeah. 
Anyways, let us know what your rankings are. Who's your favorite all-time USC recruit? Who's your favorite all-time USC recruiting class? Let us know. Uh, we'll be out uh, on vacation, but uh, we'll still see your tweets at some point. So tweet us at Rain of Troy. Send us your emails, RainofTroyFanSide.com. We're going to have to do a, an episode when we come back from vacation, so. Yeah. You know. For sure. So send us the, send us your thoughts. Give us a review over on Apple Podcasts as well. A five-star review helps us grow the show. Uh, if you do, we'll read it on air. So thanks as always. We will be back next week. And yeah, got a final word, Alicia? The final word is stars. As in, reach for the stars. See, I like... I'm your favorite deputy. <laughs> nice Toy Story reference there. Just isn't Reach for the Stars the other yeah. thing? Yeah, Reach for the Stars. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm really excited because uh, vacation is going to involve some stargazing, which is one of my favorite pastimes. Oh, hold on, can we just talk about Toy Story? Buzz Lightyear, all-time douchebag, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. What I thought. But then again, like Woody's also a douchebag too. No, so, I'm like, n- not going to listen to that slander. The, the, they're both douchebags. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Favorite Toy Story character? <sighs> uh, Rex. Mr. Potato. Oh, that's good. All right. We'll see you. See you. Yeah. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.